0: Can you hear me now? All right. I had a green light a while ago. Now it's a red light. That doesn't make no sense to me. <laughs> All righty. Whoa. Are we cool now? Might be a little bit loud, Chase. Mm-hmm. Somebody's aiming with already. That's a good thing. Alrighty, now if I get to doing this and you can't hear me, Jeff or somebody, let me know to raise the mic up because I have a tendency to want to bring it down here. I could do like Jeff does, I put it on my arm. <laughs> All righty, good to go. I'm good. But I, one of the things I love about the, the family here at Harvest is we mourn together in tough times. But we also rejoice together when we have something to rejoice about And this morning i just got news we got something to rejoice about our our own gretchen brown as you might know if you've seen her on facebook is on a hunting trip i don't know where she went where'd she go alabama and this morning she got her buck <laughs> praise the lord so uh, that's that's quite the accomplishment, and I just, I thank you, Lord, that uh, that you said that you would give us the desires of our heart, and Lord, you know that uh, Gretchen we love, you love Gretchen too, and uh, you have given her the desires of her heart. She uh, uh, went on this hunting trip, and and she did something that a lot of us maybe didn't think that she could do or wasn't aware that it was even possible, but Lord, all things are possible with you, and we give you thanks that she was a able to succeed in in her endeavors today. And we just ask, Father, that uh, you continue to bless her. And I don't know when she's coming home, but, Father, I pray for a safe travels and mercy home. And and her and Beacon would would come home safely to us, and we'll see her here next week. We thank you, Father, for Gretchen and all that you're doing in her life. And, man, you're doing a lot here lately. And we just give you thanks for what we see you doing in her life. And we ask that you would continually bless her in Jesus' name. Father, we just also come today and, and we thank you for the opportunity to be able to come and be assembled together as a body of believers. And wherever your, your truth and your gospel is being proclaimed across this, this planet today, Father, we join with those with one heart, with one mind, and with one spirit. Lord, I pray that uh, for those who are, who are hurting this morning, that you would bring comfort. For those who are, are rejoicing, Father, we rejoice with them. And Father, we ask that you would give us all strength to draw a little closer to you each and every day because indeed, your mercies are new every morning. We give you thanks for that, Jesus. We love you and we ask, Father, that your Holy Spirit would fall in this place and on every man, woman, and child here today that they might experience you in a new more meaningful way Father. we just ask it in these next few minutes that you're you would be glorified we ask it in Jesus name amen as we're studying the new mercies today I was kind of struggling a little bit because I I couldn't really see the point and Hogan and I had a little conversation through text messages about you know music and and, and stuff we kind of like to coordinate a little bit and, and he's very uh, very good at uh, to bringing everybody together in, in the table so we are of one heart one mind and we come here on a Sunday morning and uh, he was asking me if I had any songs that i I wanted to, to, to hear or, or to have played and and you know I, I just kept seeing this scripture and, and, and knowing what I know about Paul and, and his writings and his teaching you know how this this training ourselves up to be godly. You know, we talked about different aspects of that and how he was he didn't train aimlessly, but he was like a boxer, he wasn't just beating the air, he was he was training to win a prize that wouldn't spoil or fade. Amen. And uh, so this is how we fight our battles. Amen. We go to the Lord, we he, we fight, he goes before us and he fights our battles for us. So uh you know, and with that being said, I just want to read the scripture verses that, uh, that we're going to be looking at today and then we'll go into some context of the verses before that and uh, then we'll go from there. But uh, if you would, if you got your Bibles, would you read along with me at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and we're going to be reading uh, verses 6 through 9. So uh, when you get there in your Bibles, just say amen. 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 Everybody there? alrighty i'm reading from the new international version it says if you point these things out to the brothers you will be a good minister of christ jesus brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives tales rather train yourself to be godly for physical training is of some value but godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life and for the life to come and this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance that's the word of the lord today so if we just started at that point and we see if you point these things out to the brothers first thing that came to my mind well what things what things are we to point out to the brothers well if you go back and you look and it starts at chapter four verse one it says the spirit clearly says and that spirit is the holy spirit speaking through paul amen the holy Spirit clearly says at later times some will abandon the faith and and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons wow that's pretty pretty condemning right there isn't things that are taught by demons such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hard iron They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and by prayer. Boom. Everything is good. You know, does that mean that some things are just better than others, right? <laughs> and some of some stuff a little bit goes a long way too. Amen. But the point is being made here that that Paul's trying to make is the the Holy Spirit speaking to him about these later times and, and some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. You know, and that's that's a ploy that's been been going on since the fall of man, isn't it? the devil satan was a deceiving spirit he deceived eve in the garden and it's still playing out in those early times in the in the book of genesis but it's still going on today and people are being deceived and and they're and they're walking away from the truth of the gospel and what he's talking about he talks about the that their consciences have been seared as with a hot iron and i don't know what the medical term is but i do know that I've, i've i've got a friend of mine who's having severe nerve damage in his back and it was affecting him in different ways like his arms and hands would go numb and and a lot of other issues that he had so they went in there and they took I don't know if it was like a laser or something but they seared the nerve endings in his back so he couldn't he wouldn't have pain in his shoulders and his arms any longer you know these deceiving spirits that he's talking about he calls them hypocritical liars he says their conscience has been seared. Their hearts have been hardened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus. You know, and I thought about this, and he talked about abstaining from marriage and abstaining from certain kinds of food. And I, I began to, to to go back to Matthew chapter twenty three, where he was calling out the the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. Remember that. And he says, "Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees! You hypocrites! You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces, and you yourselves won't enter, nor will you let those." enter who are trying to. And he says it that you you travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you. That's pretty pretty damning, isn't it? When Jesus is saying that about you. That's pretty damning. And he goes on and says, woe to you teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, your mint, your dill, and your cumin but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guide, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel because you see it in, the, in their Jewish law and the man-made regulations they had, a gnat was considered an unclean animal, so they would strain their, their water before they drank it so they might not swallow a gnat, therefore sw- eat an unclean animal, right? And Jesus is calling them out and saying, you guys are straining out gnats, but you're swallowing camels. You, you, you will do all these little bitty fine detail things to show how holy you are, but you've neg- neglected the greater things of, of the faith and of the law. What are the two greatest commands? They neglected doing those things. They didn't lift a finger to help anybody. They were too busy looking godly. Amen. Remember that old saying that you're too, how is it? You're too heavenly minded to be any earthly good? And that's what he, I think is what he's getting at when he's talking to Timothy. And Timothy, you have to understand also that in 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 1 verse 2, as Paul addresses him in this first letter, he calls him his true son of the faith. He was paul's protege he went with paul everywhere he stood under uh, under paul's teaching and now he's a young pastor and paul he's probably in ephesus i think what the, what what I've, I've read and 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 paul's warning him about these false teachers and and the influence he would have because he's a very impressionable man probably i don't know he's a young pastor probably in his early 20s maybe maybe 30 at the most and he knows that he could be very easily impressioned and and and, and start Chasing after some of these false doctrines and stuff, and it would go against what Paul was trying to teach to the to the, to the people in Ephesus and throughout the, the world. You know, we've been saved what by grace through faith, not by works that any man should boast. I think that's second or Ephesians chapter two verses eight and nine something like that, right? It's not about the works. We can't do anything to make us whole, more holy. God has already done that, through through the the blood of Jesus, Christ. Jesus died on the cross, and I think that the term that they use for people that go through these these extreme thing, portions of self denial they call it asceticism, where they 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 want to people to see them suffering. You know, I think Jesus called them out for for fasting and say, "Oh, I'm so hungry," <laughs> you know. They put the focus on themselves and not on God. They want the glory to be for them and not for, for the one that they should be glorifying, which is a God, right? Does that make sense to you guys? So that's what I think Paul is trying to warn Timothy about when he's, when he's talking about this stuff. He says that everything that they do, the Pharisees and the teacher's of law is done for men to see, you know, and uh, you know, he. The Bible does teach us that we are to to take up our cross and deny ourselves, but, you know, it doesn't say that we should do these things so that people would see how godly we are. We're supposed to glorify God, right? People, Jesus told us, that last command that he gave his disciples, as I have loved you, so you must love one another, so that by this men might know that you truly are my disciples. You know, those... Those greater things of the law, loving God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself, those things cannot be neglected. Those have to be put first so that people will glorify God, not us. It's not about us. Never has been, never will be. It's about him. Right? You know, and I hope that as a body of believers when people see us out on the street that they might know that we are followed jesus christ by the way that we love the way we care about people to let the way we let them know that they are they matter to us they are important to us because it doesn't really matter what building we go to on a sunday morning especially not if we live like the rest of the world out there and we can step over somebody laying desolate in the street that wasn't in my notes but i just thought the holy spirit told me to lay that on you does that make sense okay so he goes on and he that's the context i believe of of what he's talking about here in in first timothy chapter four verses six let me get back to it now but he says you know having nothing to do with this kind of stuff he said you'll be a good minister of christ jesus brought up in the truths of the faith and the good teaching that you'd followed. He was been brought up through the faith by Paul. He had, you know, his grandmother and his mother were followers of Jesus, but Paul was the guy that took him under his wing and, and he followed him on a lot of his on, on a lot of his journeys and, and whatnot. Now he's at Ephesus and, and and being a pastor there. So he's telling him you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truths of the faith and the good teaching that you followed if you if you point these things out to the brothers and Making them aware that this is not of God. This is not of God, but so many times we get caught up in that stuff, don't we? We think if we'll just be, we'll just do this, or we'll just do that, it'll make us more holy. You know what? The blood of Jesus already did that for you. The blood of Jesus already did that. You know, and I guess that this this not only in Ephesus but in Colossians, I, I was I think it's in Colossians chapter two that the same stuff was going on find my notes again, and Paul had to address them there, if I can find my notes, I get so far ahead sometimes, I got a note here somewhere in my Bible, let me see if I can turn to it real quick, there it is. It says here in verse 13, chapter two of Colossians, it says, when you were dead in your sins and in the incircumcision of your heart, of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of our sins, having canceled, listen to this, the written code, the law with regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. All those things, went away with jesus he nailed it to the cross we don't we're not bound by those things any longer you know so many people get caught up in rules i think that's one of the biggest detriment for a lot of people to come to christ is because they think that oh you gotta do this you don't do this don't do this it's all about what you don't do right but but my bible says that he came to set us free and who the son set free is what? Free. free indeed. Yeah, yeah. We've been set free through the blood of Jesus. So these things are kind of like salt. You know, the Bible talks about you know abstaining from certain foods and, and doing things, fasting with along with prayer and all that, but not to the point where it's detrimental right? I don't know about you, you guys, I don't use a whole lot of salt, but sometimes I like a little salt on my steak or on my fish or something. You guys like salt on your, on your meat? Yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what if the lid come off of that salt shaker and it just poured all over? Would you still eat it? Sometimes a little bit's a good thing, but a whole lot ain't, you know? And that's what he's talking about. They, they've, They've let obedience to the law become their God to the point that they've went overboard. You know, and I think John in the book of Revelation wrote about something about adding to or taking from the word of God. There's a whole lot of things that that people have added to, you know, God handed down to Moses 10, 10 laws. And I think in the Jewish faith, there's something like over 660 now that they were supposed to subscribe to and obey you know who could live under that kind of bondage you know Christ came to set us free and free indeed so he's telling Timothy that you know not to be swayed by these old wives tales or godless myths he calls them let me see what the exact wording is because I want to touch on that a little bit have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives tales Paul's figure speech here using that term old wives' tales was because being of the, the Jewish faith and sitting in the synagogue, most women in those days were not educated. You know, and, and they they weren't thought of very as being very smart uh, because they weren't educated. And the elderly women a lot of times were, were accused of being idle or gossipers or whatever. We've seen that in the in the scriptures too and 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 they would be ridiculed a lot of times if they would say something the men would they wouldn't be taken seriously okay i guess that's what i'm trying to get at they wouldn't be taken seriously so he uses that term old wives tales as something that that in that culture was was something that that they would say oh she's just an old wife she you know she don't know nothing <laughs> kind of like that thing so it was a kind of a, a, a as figure of speech that he was using not that he he don't make, don't don't have thinking that paul was bashing women because he had women in his ministry and and he he told them to honor the you know mothers and grandmothers and to take care of those widows and and stuff he 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 honor, he wanted honor to be bestowed upon them uh, so but he's using this term in this text right here to show the futility of of these actions of these people that, that, that are doing the, 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 um, the abstaining from the food and, and d- telling people not to get married and whatnot. Uh, so he's saying, don't have anything to do with that godless men's or those old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. And the word that you see there for training, it also translates to exercise. And I think in the Greek, the, the actual word is, is gymnasio. The word we get for gymnasium, it has to do with physical training and, and training yourself physically, uh, but it says rather train yourself to be godly, using, using attributes that, that draw you closer into that relationship with God. And make no mistake, God wants you to be like his son Jesus, right? That's what the goal is, that we might be like Jesus in the way that we live, the way that we, we serve, and the way that we love. Romans 8:28 tells us that we, it says that, you know, we know that verse pretty good. For all, for all things work for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Then the next verse says, for those who God foreknew, he also predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And if you remember back in Genesis, that predestination part, what I believe, how I can, I, I think, is when... God created man. He said, let us make man in our what? In our image. God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit. From the very first, we were made in God's image. And that's what his plan was. Then the fall of man came and we fell short of what God intended for us. But that's the goal, that we become more like Jesus every day. So well, how do we do that? How do we exercise ourselves for godliness? First of all, we draw near to Him, right? He said that He would give us the desires of our heart, but His desire for us is that our desire would be for Him. Does that make sense? He said He would give us the desires of our hearts, but His desire for us. Is for us to desire him. That's a hard pill to swallow sometime, isn't it? Because we want to know a lot of other things. Because if we truly desired him the way that he desired us, we wouldn't hold anything back, would we? We wouldn't hold anything back. We wouldn't let, let what others think about us us one way or another we would just have highs for jesus we wouldn't we'd pet we'd have our god blinders on we would be focused on him wouldn't be worried about what the world thought desiring him reading our bibles how do you want to know if you want to know god that's where you're going to find you you want to know about the character of god and his great love and his mercy and his grace for you. Start at Genesis and go all the way to the Revelation. Read the Bible. There are countless stories in there that show us about the love of God for his people. How we deserved to die, but instead he he sent his son, his only son, that we might have life. You know, I, I, I was listening to, a, to a, a podcast this week as I was preparing and, and a guy was talking about our, our, our time in the, in the Word of God. He said, you know, if you only spent 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes every day, that you could read through the whole Bible in a year. Do we have 10 minutes to give to God's Word that we might go through the Bible one, one all the way through from Genesis to Revelation in a year? You know and and some of us and and me including i've read through the bible several times in my life some things i still don't understand some things the holy spirit hasn't revealed to me just what that means but every time i read to it i find something that the holy spirit's revealed to me and, and given me greater understanding on you know every time every time so you want to Train yourself up in godliness. The first place to start is getting into his word. Desiring him and getting into his word. The next one is prayer. Oh, That's another big one. And I don't mean just sitting down in the meal, thank you, Lord, for this, because that's, that's important that we give thanks. You know, he's talking about the receiving everything that God has given us with what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Praying and being grateful. Having an attitude of gratitude for everything that he's given us, but not just when we're sitting down for a meal or or coming together on a Sunday morning, but being thankful for every morning we wake up and we have breath in our lungs for that beautiful sunset that we've seen, for that kind word that someone spoke to us, that encouragement that a brother or sister in Christ gave us. All these things are something to be thankful for, because I tell you what, there's a whole bunch of of darkness and and, darkness. and and things that are discouraging out there but if we only focus on those things we're probably going to walk away from the faith but if we see the light that is in fellow believers and in that sunset that sunrise the beauty that god has created and just say thank you god you know i don't know i've made that a practice in in my life here lately that i've I'll be driving down the road, and, and, and somebody might even, I haven't seen for a year or 2 come into my mind, but he's, he's important to me, and, he, and, and I love him. I've got a friend I met, ironically, I met him in jail 25 years ago, and every once in a while, by the way, his name is nailed to that cross right there. Every once in a while, God puts him on my heart. And I remember those times when I was working as a deputy in the midnight to eight shift and I'd come into the kitchen and he was a trustee folding laundry. And uh, we'd sit down at a table and we'd talk over a cup of coffee and we found out that he and I weren't so different after all. And we became good friends. And when he got out, we would go visit him and his family. And he had, we had that in common too. We both had godly mamas. And through the years, we've main, remained remained in contact we might not hear from each other for three or four years but i believe one day he will come and he will give his heart to the lord because i believe on that promise and he he's he's drawn near he's drawn closer he's telling me about what god's doing in his life now and he sees the evidence of god's moving in his heart in his life and he says i've been reading my bible and, and i've been praying and and and, and I don't know about all this stuff, but I know one thing. It's helping me to get through my life. But I just think about him every once in a while. And the other day I was driving past where we used to turn off to go to his mom's house. And she's long gone to be with the Lord. But but, uh, I think about him and I just thank God that he put him in my life. Because neither one of us were following the Lord back then. You know, but I just know what God did for me, he'll do for him, too. So I thank him for my friend, and I tell him to draw him close, you know, because, you know, that takes the emphasis off of us, too, and puts it on God and somebody else, right? It's not all about me. It's about drawing people closer to God. But I can be going down the road and, and thinking about somebody, and it just blesses my heart because, you know what? besides Jesus Christ a lot of my greatest treasures sit right here in this room and I can look into your faces and look into your eyes and I thank God for you some of you I just met today but I love you you're a treasure and you, you mean something to me some of you as I've known for a long time and those friendships are worth more than anything else in my life I just want you to know that I love you and you, you have great value in my heart today. Having an attitude of gratitude for those things that you've, you've given and the, and the people that God has brought into your life. Prayer can be a constant communication with God throughout your day. Just talking to him, meditating on his word. You know, that's one thing I, I know that David did. He talked about meditating on, on God's word day and night. You know, and having this constant communication with God. Through the day just talking to him like he's your friend because he is <laughs> he's also God but he's your closest and best friend amen so that's another exercise that we can we can have to train us to be more like Jesus he was in constant contact with his father as well wasn't he he'd go off to a deserted place and and sit down and he would have he'd have some quiet time just him and the father in the midst of everything that was going on and people tugging him and wanting him to do things that was a special time for him and it should be a special time for us as well meditation goes right along with it you know we talked about David and how he would meditate on God's word to gain understanding the Holy Spirit will give you understanding and he draws us closer into that relationship you know and the the next thing that that draws us closer to god is is sharing time with one another i think back years and years ago when i first dedicated my life to the lord and, and dean Loniger had me uh, teaching a group of young young males young men uh, we went through a series called experiencing god You guys remember that book or that teaching it was very good and in that experiencing god it talked talk to us about how god speaks to us he talks about God speaks to us through, our, through time in the word. He talks to us and speaks to us at the time of, of prayer and meditation. He talks to us in times of, of, of communication with other believers. Sometimes it might even be music. How many of you guys got spoken to this morning with songs that were, were sung? Did God not minister your hearts today? Did mine. God speaks to us in many forms if we just got ears to listen. Training ourselves up to be godly. You know and, and and we do this for that sole purpose that we might become like jesus you know and in first corinthians paul also wrote about you know that physical training aspect of it he says do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize run in such a way as to get the prize amen we run in such a way to get the prize everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore I don't run like a man running aimlessly. I don't fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that I after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. You know, it takes discipline to do these things and to 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 uh, want to do the things that we know we should. Paul is comparing that that physical training with godly training that, that you know you got to get out there and do it and it's not easy at first because we, we got so much things so many things uh, look, trying to take away our time you know time killers is what I call them you know phones are one of them right <laughs> we can sit there and we can get on that phone and, and even my little ones you know they get on their screens and tablets and stuff that way and we spend a lot of time on electronics anymore i don't know what we ever did without them but we spent a lot of time on them but you know just spending time with god and training ourselves in it you know it's it like i said it's hard there's so many things that, that that take our time and we might not think that we could ever achieve being like jesus well to be honest with you probably we can't not in this life but one day we will be amen because one of these days we're going to be transformed and we're going to be changed to be like him. But we should strive that I think that, that, that Paul wrote that not that I have attained this lofty goal of being like Jesus, but he who started that good work in me, I'm convinced will co- carry it out to co- completion, right? God's working on each and every one of us to become more like his son Jesus. You know? And this training that we're getting ready to, to in, enter into and what we've already entered into this godly training it's not only for this life but the one for the one to come and I want to make something really clear to you you know I just thought about this as I was studying this week the prize is in heaven the prize is in heaven the prize is being in the presence of God so many people think oh I just want to make it to heaven I just want to make it to heaven no, I want to make it into the presence of the one who saved me. Does that make sense? That's the prize. To be transformed into his image. Heaven is just a byproduct of it. But the real prize is to spend eternity in the presence of God. i got a plan to be with Jesus. How about you? I may not look like Jesus right now, but one day, one day I will, and it won't be because of anything that I've done, it will be all because of what he's done in my life. And I remember when I first came back to church, when I first came back into that relationship with God, I had the enemy jumping up on my shoulder telling me that I was too, too bad that I wasn't worthy of forgiveness. I believe that lie for 25 years kept me out of the church. But the blood of Jesus screamed something different. He says, come, all you are weary and heavily burdened. There's so many times we get so weighed down by thinking that we've got to give up this, we've got to do this, and we've got all these legalistic things that we got to do to become follower of Jesus Christ and he says, come all your weary and heavily burdened and I'll give you rest. I think there's so many people so tired of just trying to chase after godliness because they've been taught that they had to endure such things. And God says that he comes to give us freedom. Come to me all your weary and heavily burdened and I'll give you rest for your souls. I will transform your life to where you are supposed to be the way that I designed you to be from the very beginning conform to the image of my son Jesus and we all might be a far cry from that right now amen I know I am I fall short every day but you know my my son put a sticker up on on the wall in his room And it said that a a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. You may not be where you want to be right now, but you take that step towards God and watch what he does. You put one foot in front of the other. And that one day of trusting God and chasing after him will become a week, a week, a month, a month, a year, a year, a decade. And decades into a lifetime that leads to eternity with Jesus. Because the sad fact of the matter is, unless Jesus comes again, we're all going to face death. Physical body, death. But that's not the end of us, is it? Because of the blood of Jesus, if we have faith in him, we will be with him. I don't know about you. In my in my older years, I think a lot about that. But I got a lot of folks on the other side that I want to see sometime. And more than that, I want to see Jesus face to face because he's the, the prize that I want to win. The last verse we're going to look at it says that if we, I'm going to get turned back to it. Well, Where did my ribbon go? I'm too far. There it is. I'm sorry. I'm scattered brain this morning. Verse 9, it says, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Because it is true. Godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. You can hang your hat on that. Training ourselves for godliness. How do we do it? We draw close to God, he draws near to us. We start learning about the character of God when we study his scriptures and his word. We read his Bible. We enter into a communion and a communication with him every moment of every day. He's right there. We pray. We meditate on God's word. Say, okay, God, what do you want to show me through this? These circumstances that we go through might not always be good. Sometimes they're going to be hard. But the question is not to be asked, why Am I going through this? Maybe the question should be, okay, God, what are you wanting to show me through this? Because everything is a teachable moment with God. The hardest time in my life was when my son died. And regardless, that's the closest I've ever felt to God. The Bible is true when it says that God is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. But you know the reason i believe that that was is because that's probably the closest i ever tried to draw near to him because i couldn't do that in my own strength i needed him in a big way and he was faithful he's always been faithful scriptures says, taste and see that the lord is good because he is everything that god gives us is good more we taste the more we trust because god is good so we trust him more and the more we trust it becomes a commonplace thing where we just go to him all the time he's no longer our last resort he's our first response amen that's the way it should be he's our first response in anything that goes in our lives whether we're sad whether we're happy whether we're rejoicing thank you lord thank you god And once we get to that point where we trust him and we fully rely on him for all things, and like it says in Hebrews, then we can approach that throne of grace with confidence because we know that we're going to receive mercy and find help in our times of need. Amen? He is there. He's always been there. You know, I'm going to close with a, just reading you the lyrics of a song that really touched me a long time ago. By a group called 10th Avenue North. Just listen to this because maybe this will speak to you. Maybe you've been on the fence a little bit about trusting God. It says this why are you striving these days? Why are you trying to earn grace? Why are you crying? Let me lift up your face. Just don't turn away. You know, when I, read, when I heard that first, that first uh, few verses, it just struck me. Then it said this, why are you looking for love? Why are you still searching as if I'm not enough? To where will you go, child? To where will you run? To where will you run? so many of us we ran and we ran and we ran and god just saying come to me i'll give you rest for your souls so as we get ready to take care of, take time for communion today we got elements set up on the four corners of the room if you haven't already i just ask that you would consider Laying all those things down before the God today. You don't. He paid the price on the cross for us. He gave us freedom from bondage of all these things. So why would we remain in bondage? He came to set us free. By his blood we've been made free. So as we take communion, I'd just like for you to think about that, what he endured for your sake on that cross. And after you've pondered those things, with a grateful heart, say, thank you, Lord. I receive you. May I be changed to be like you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we just come before you. Lord, so many times we...